Hey everybody, this is Xi Xiao. This is yet another new Salesforce Way podcast episode. Today, I'm sitting with a new guest with me. His name is Pat McClellan. Hello, Pat. Hi, Xi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How about you? I'm great. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for for joining the show. Would you like to introduce yourself before we start our session? Sure, I'd be happy to. I'm Pat McClellan. I live in Santa Barbara, California. I'm a Salesforce developer.、Uh, I work for myself.、Uh, my company is Proton Seven Group, and I'm an App Exchange partner.、Uh, I、uh, am a career changer,、uh, which in most most industries would be、uh, a big deal. But around the Salesforce ecosystem, there are a lot of career changers. I spent thirty、uh, three years in media production and、uh, in marketing. I have a, a, a marketing degree and a film degree, and so I was a, a video producer straight out of college, and then wow, got hired into a marketing agency to produce digital media, and ended up getting, getting promoted, and I became an account director, and ended up in, in management of a marketing agency、uh, for about fifteen years, and then about three years ago, I'd kind of gotten burned out.、Uh, I didn't really get in in my job duties. I didn't get to make anything anymore. And I really missed、uh, the hands-on of making things, so I quit that job. Now, in that marketing agency,、uh, the agency where I worked, we put on a lot of major tech events.、Uh, we、mm-hmm. produced the、um, uh, the keynote address for Dreamforce、uh, one year, so、uh, I, I was well familiar with with technology. And I would go to these big technology conferences that we were putting on, and I would watch all the developers walking into sessions and thinking. You know that that seems like something I would really like. So,、uh, in in May of、uh, 2017, I left my job with the agency and I got on Trailhead and I completed my first trail、uh, the last day of May 2017.、Uh, that was my very first trail. It took me five、mm-hmm. weeks to get to Ranger.、Uh, it took me eight weeks to get my admin cert. Uh, and then I got my platform app builder certification a month after that, and my Dev One certification two months after that. Wow, that's a, a really big progress you made with the short period of time. Well, I was I was feeling pretty good about my progress,、um, mm. but then and and then I started talking to recruiters who were very interested. You know, as soon as I got my Dev One certification, I got a lot of calls from recruiters, and they said, "Great,、mm. well, send us your resume." And I sent my resume, and they said, "Well." We could probably get you a job as a chief technology officer or a chief marketing officer, but、uh, not as a developer because nobody's ever paid you to be a developer before. So,、mm. out of necessity, I started to create my own experience.、Uh, I didn't have any experience on my resume, so I thought, well, maybe I should build an app.、Um, as I had trained on Salesforce through Trailhead, I had been really surprised that in Lightning there wasn't a good Lightning native. Uh, texting solution.、Uh, I was familiar with Twilio because,、uh, actually,、mm-hmm. back from my agency、uh, life, we had bid on on、uh, putting on the Twilio user conference. So I knew about Twilio and the API and how that all、uh, was was available. So、mm-hmm. I decided that would be a good challenge to to build a, a texting app, just pretty much as a proof of my skill set.、Uh, so I started building that.、Uh, Actually, I built, started building it on vacation on, on、uh, Thanksgiving uh, holiday, uh, 2017, and about two months later, I had a, a working model of it, 
And I thought, you know what? Uh, I really enjoy building this. I'd like to, to see this through to the end. So I, I set the goal to get it on App Exchange and continued building it uh, mm-hmm. and improving it. By the middle of August, I had approval. And by end of August, it was listed on App Exchange. So it took me about 15 months to get from knowing nothing to having an app on the App Exchange. Hmm. This is a, a quick story, but I know it has a lot of efforts behind this. You talked a lot. I want to step back a little bit. So you had a great job, right? So you have been in the media and in the marketing area for a long time already, but you didn't want to continue. You feel yourself is more with the developer role. That makes you more happy. Am I right? Right. I, you know, I like making things. Um, and so early on, I, I had a film degree and I was a video producer, and then I was a, a, a multimedia producer. I was I was producing multimedia back when multi, this was in the in the late '80s, early '90s, when multimedia meant uh, a touchscreen uh, uh, monitor and and a video disc. Yeah, indeed, I'm hearing all this. I mean, you don't have to be a software developer, right? You have the filming skills. You can carry a camera. You can do the Adobe Premiere, those things are also, you know, hands-on stuff. Why hey, do you go to a software path? Uh, you know, I, I just, I, I felt like I'd done that before. I, I Okay. You want to ta- taste I, this I, I like, new you know, stuff. When, when I was a teenager, before I went to college, I was a disc jockey. So I'd done radio by the time I got got to college, uh, shifted over to video and film. Um, mm. and, you know, it's just a, a natural progression. I'm, I'm, you know, computer savvy and I'd been putting on conferences for a lot of technology companies and mm. I had just been around software. So I just wanted to do it. Yeah. That's really great to hear your story. You, know, you made your decision and you keep your heads down and you get certified and then you apply for jobs. And if people don't get your the dream job, then you just find a dream job by yourself. You have to make your own experience sometimes. And, and, I, mm. I recognize the fact I, you know, I had had a successful career, so I had some savings that I, I, I wasn't starving while I was, I was doing all of the, my training. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I was also pretty motivated. I was working, uh, you know, from the time that I started on trailhead to the time I got my, uh, developer certification, I was probably working between 70 and 80 hours a week. Um, wow. We're, we're head, head down. Yeah, indeed. That's the motivation. That's the passion. Because I see people around me as a developer role. Some of them are not so passionate about their their role. They just get the job done and then and then you know they enjoy their life after work, which is good. But uh, I mean, for these people, they should accept that people like you, who are really keen to learn the stuff and spend so much more time you will bypass them sooner or later. That's just well, I, the fact. I, I, I wish people can understand. I, I think that uh, part of it is um, working for yourself. Uh, if you are working mm. for somebody else and it's just a job and it's just a paycheck, then there's not a whole lot of motivation to really put in the effort to work 60 or 70 hours a week. When you're mm. working for yourself and and really investing in your future, then you know that's a pretty good motivation to put in whatever time it takes. Mm. But some people would say, ah, um, you know, start your own company, do your own stuff is difficult. 
It it is difficult, and and I have to say, not everybody has the the gut for it. It's it's pretty scary at times. Yep. I had worked for myself back in the nineties uh, for about five years, and very successfully so. And when you realize that uh, you know you can you can generate work and you can find clients uh, on your own, and it's okay. You know, sometimes you're working. Uh, to a deadline and you're working 60 or 70 hours a week. And then sometimes you don't have a client for a couple of weeks and you're not working at all. And that can be scary. But if you get used to the idea that the, the work sort of ebbs and flows and, and you've got confidence that there will be work in the future, then you can really enjoy that time in between and, you know, spend that learning some new skill or, or taking time with your family or whatever. Uh, but mm. once you've been self-employed, you're never unemployed. You're only self-employed again between clients. <laughs> okay, thanks for sharing all this. Yeah. Um, let's get back to the the app itself. What's what's the name of that app again? Uh, the app is called Proton Text, and it does Proton Text and MMS texting from Salesforce. Uh, it's a Lightning mm. component, um, so it's listed in the App Exchange, right? It is listed in the App Exchange. Okay, so I will put the link to our show notes for our listeners to check what the app it is. Great. Um. Would you mind to quickly walk us through what's the process of building the app and get it passed in the app exchange? Just quickly, you know, there are some steps. Sure. Well, uh, you know, I can't say that my process is necessarily the right process. Uh, I had never mm. built an app before, and uh, it was <laughs> my first attempt, and I didn't really have anybody showing me how to do it. So what I did was, uh, so so this app, accesses uh, the Twilio API uh, in order to uh, access the telecom system. So from Salesforce, you're sending a uh, basically a web call, an HTTP call to Twilio saying, these are the credentials for my Twilio account. This is the message. This is the number that it's coming from, and this is the number that it's going to. And then Twilio takes all of that information and puts it out onto the telecom system. And then when somebody responds that comes into the Twilio. Twilio package that, packages that up as a data packet and sends that in as a REST call to your uh, Salesforce org. That uh, you set up a REST site on the Salesforce org, and it uh, receives that uh, that call from from Twilio. Uh, it accesses an Apex class and decodes all of that, saves it as a message, and then notifies the sender that there's a new message. So that's how the, the, the basic uh, interaction with the Twilio API works. So the first thing I had to do was learn how to uh, make REST calls uh, and, and receive that. So, um, you know, just piece by piece uh, throughout the whole process, I would think, okay, the next step, what is the, the, the technology that I need to learn and figure out how to, how to do? So piece by piece, I learned the, the Twilio API learned how to set up a REST site on an org. I learned how to make HTTP calls, uh, you know, whether it's a, a post or a get or whatever. Um, I guess I can also assume that the Twilio has really good documentation. Well, yes and no. They, they have good documentation for their API. However, the libraries that they have are for Python and JavaScript and, and all these languages and that they don't really support Salesforce directly. They don't have a, uh, they haven't published a Salesforce library or an Apex library for their API. Um, 
so, you know, it's, uh, it was a lot of, uh, figuring things out, uh, you know, figuring out how to, to look at a curl command and transform that, write that into, uh, a, a call from, from apex. Uh, I see. so luckily, you know, places like stack exchange were really good for, for helping me figure things that like that out. So, you know, I, I didn't learn to build this myself. I learned to build this from the community. Uh, you know, piece by piece, little piece of technology at a time. I would, I would post on on uh, Stack Exchange, and uh, SFD Fox would respond. Oh yeah, well here's how you turn a curl command into a into an HTTP call from from Apex. So I, I don't I'm a self taught developer. I'm a community taught developer. That that's that's so cool. Could you brief me what are the typical use cases in Salesforce that we do need to use the text message? Sure. So there's there's three basic use cases. Uh, we've talked a lot here about one-to-one messaging, and that's basically mm-hmm. uh, it, the, the component itself looks, uh, I designed it to look and feel just like the messaging app on your iPhone or on your Android phone. It's a scrollable list of all of the conversations that you're using. You, you touch one of the conversations, it opens up, and you see a list of talk bubbles with the most recent at the bottom, and you text enter at the, you know, you enter your next text at the bottom and hit return to send it. So it really is trying to be a one-to-one messenger that's intuitive because it's just like the one on your phone. The second application is automated texting. So this would be for things like uh, it could be for any time you would have a system notification that sends an email, a system notification then can just send a text to a user. Or uh, mm-hmm. uh, let's say that uh, if you're a bank and you've got a low balance and uh, the customer has set up notifications for a low balance, then they would get a text when that balance hit a, a certain thing. Uh, or uh, one of the easiest and most uh, useful applications is just appointment reminders. So you could set this up uh, tied to a date-time field with a process uh, that that uh, triggers a text to go out 24 hours before a particular date-time. Um, so there are a lot of good applications for automated texting. And, and honestly, I think uh, customers, consumers are really used to that sort of thing, you know, getting a, a text reminder from the dentist about their appointment. And Indeed, I do. I, I do enjoy that. That's right. It's 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 a, a good reminder, and and that's just the right level of engagement. I don't want that in an email. I don't want a phone call, but a text is just right. Mm-hmm. The, uh, so we we got one to one messaging, automated texting, and then the third area, which is what I built in the second major version of the app, uh, is blasts, text blasts. So this is used mostly for marketing, uh, and it's tied to the campaign object. So you can send out a text blast to all of the members of a campaign. Now, I recognize that there's a lot of useful use for this capability by people who aren't using campaigns and marketing. For example, I've got a couple of customers that are nonprofit organizations, and they need to text out to a list of volunteers on a regular basis. And so I, I built it so that it works natively with the campaign object, but I also have a custom object called a blast list. And a blast list is, uh, you can build a blast list from contacts or leads, or you can import uh, a CSV file, or you can build a blast list from any list of contacts where there is a mobile phone number. So if you had a custom object for students, for example, you Mm -hmm. could select 
you know, 2,000 students, add them all to a blast list, no problem. And then you can send a text blast to, to all of them at once. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that the uh, blast capability, of course, I had to name it Proton Blaster. Uh, it's, it's the Proton Blaster feature, but it's all included in Proton Text. Yeah. Uh, you, you did mention that at the beginning, when you look at this uh, uh, messaging service on Salesforce platform, was it it didn't exist or there weren't some hard competitions by the well, time? Well, there is. I, I face, I, look, I'm the, I'm the littlest fish in the pond. Uh, there are there are some very big players out there uh, that have been around for for years, and in fact, most of them uh, built had thousands of customers using Salesforce in Classic. And so, when I the, the the need that I saw was that all of these were built in Classic, and I was learning Lightning, and I wanted to be in Lightning, and their Lightning implementation. It was still the app that they built in Classic, and they sort of adapted it to sort of look like Lightning. And it really mm-hmm. didn't feel, uh, it didn't, it, it kind of looked like Lightning, but it didn't have the Lightning component aspect of it. And by that, I, I mean see. to use it, even if you were in Lightning, to use these apps, you had to go and select their app. You had to leave the sales app, or you had to leave the service app, or whatever app you were in, and go mm-hmm. to their app to do your texting. And instead, mine is a component that drops into any tab on any page and, in fact, should be on every page so that wherever you are, you can always text. It can go in a console utility, wherever, and it knows where it is. Wherever you drop it, it knows where it is, and it uses that awareness of its context to serve you up the data that and, and, and options that will save you clicks and will will make you, you know, feels intuitive. So, for example, if I go to an opportunity record, I look over in the tab where there's Proton Text, and it shows me the two conversations that we've had uh, with anybody, one with the customer, one with the sales rep, about that opportunity. And then, mm-hmm. it, uh, and then if I click New uh, to, to launch a new conversation, it's going to bring up a list of, it's going to say, all right, I'm on an opportunity page and an opportunity has a related account. So let's bring up the list of the likely recipients. The likely recipients would be all of the contacts that are associated with the account that this opportunity is also associated with. So it does about two steps or three steps worth of logic to present a list of all of the contacts on that account. Hmm. Search for any, yeah. but but those are the ones that you're most likely to want to text. As soon as you I click see. that, as soon as you click that, then it's going to, to to start the conversation. It will link this conversation to the record that you uh, that you're on this page. You can hmm. you cancel that link if you say no. This really isn't about that, but it defaults to saying you're starting this conversation from this page. So I'm going to assume that it's about this this uh, this record. Let's link it. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to call this a, a smart context feature. So you have all the data, you have all this object or, uh, relationship in Salesforce. So what do you really need to do is just to find out what's the likelihood so when the user open the page, what are the possible potential uh, users or contact they want to reach, and then you list them out just to save their, their clicks. Um, exactly. That's that's smart. Uh, did you get this um, by figuring out by yourself, or is it a user requirements originally? 
Uh, no, I actually, uh, I, I figured it out myself because, uh, and I don't recommend this. It's probably not smart. Uh, but, uh, I did not really work with customers ahead of time to figure out what their needs were. I felt like I wanted to develop the app that would be what I wanted to use in Salesforce. Uh, I had found there to be a real gap around texting as I was going through all of my training and looking at lightning. And I thought mm-hmm. that that just seems like a, an obvious gap. And the way it should work really is the way my phone app works. And then if you add to that, the capabilities that lightning has. So for example, if you're a component on a page, you have access to all of the record data that's that any component on that page loaded up, right? Using, mm-hmm. uh, using lightning record service. And so, uh, in order to, when you back to our example, if you're on that opportunity page and you click new conversation, what that's doing is it doesn't check back to the server. The first thing that it does is says, if I'm on a record page, let's pull in the data about this. Let's look through that data. Is there an account associated with this? If there's an account associated with this, then that tells us go and get the contacts associated with this account. So it finds that information. And by the way, um, Opportunity has a field called account. But if you're on a custom record page, that might be named account or it might be named account ID. And so software says, all right, this is a custom record. Let's check for account and account ID. And if either one are there, then we'll use that and we'll find the contacts associated with that. So it's not, not but I try to, I try to think ahead. I try to be okay. very, very context aware. Hmm. This is a competitive advantage since you are, uh, I would assume it's like a one man company you currently have. So you're doing everything by yourself and you control the requirement and you could get it implemented whenever you have time, whenever you want. So that's definitely faster than most of those uh, big apps from the big companies in the app exchange. Uh, th- that's exactly the point. So, uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned the time in, in April when I was about ready to uh, send it for security review and discovered that Twilio was coming on the market with their version. Well, that's when I went back to work. And what I did in that two months was build in all of this uh, intelligence about where is the component. Because that kind of integration in Salesforce, Twilio is not interested in doing. They And I don't mean to down talk them. They have a good model. They have a good uh, a lot of really good tools in their studio mm. on their site. And they're trying to pull in Salesforce users into their ecosystem. I'm trying to keep Salesforce users comfortable in their own environment, building with the tools there. By, and, and my competitive advantage there is, number one, I know Salesforce better than, uh, better than Twilio and some of my other competition that are, are doing texting elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And number two, as you say, I'm a one-man shop. I can turn around mm. a feature in two days, and it takes them two months, maybe. Mm. So can I ask, uh, not to mention the number of the customers, I just want to know, so it's enough uh, the revenue to cover like a one-man salary. Am I right? <laughs> no. Not, okay, not, so it, not yet. Not yet. So, and and this is this is big advice that I have for for all of the developers out there that think oh I just I've got this great app and a great idea and I should build it into an app and put it on App Exchange and then I'll be set. The reality is that uh, 
building an app and getting it on app exchange is just the start right that's that's the table stakes you have to be able to pass security review you have to have a an app that is competitive uh that that is better than than others but then you have a lot of money to market it and you have to advertise it and you have to that's why these big companies have marketing teams and have sales teams it's not because their app isn't good enough it's because they're trying to sell more so as a the disadvantage of being a one-man shop is on the days that i'm coding i am not marketing and on the days that i'm marketing i am not coding so yeah um, you know it it really is a constraint and i'm self-funded you know, I bootstrapped this company, and so I don't have you know some some venture capitalists million dollars to go out and hire a sales team. So it takes a long time to build up. Luckily, I'm doing consulting work, and uh, you know I, I have some other other work, other income. Uh, my uh, my first in my first six months, I had uh, three or four customers, and I also try to be the low cost. Uh, solution out there. So many of my customers are, are, are uh, you know, their, their monthly bill is, you know, $30 or so, or a little bit less. And so, you know, my, my income for the first six months from this app was in the hundreds of dollars. I've, I've now, okay. I'm now over a thousand dollars per, you know, uh, uh, per month, but it is, it's not uh, uh, the only source of income. Uh, my goal is to build additional apps. And um, what I'm trying to do is build apps that are very sticky and that are transaction-based. So, for example, my customers pay per text, and they pay for, for the phone line. So as long as they're texting, they will continue to pay. It's a low cost, mm. but it's monthly recurring revenue. And so every new customer I've got means that that monthly recurring revenue is going to go up because – all of my customers that I've ever had are still my customers. Uh, and, you know, this is going to be a, a slow, slowly growing, but ever gaining mm. momentum uh, source of revenue. Oh, it's good to confirm this, you know. Maybe you're already uh, getting a lot of revenue. Maybe you don't, before I ask this question, because I also have the same feeling that, uh, you know, one-man shop build an app um, to even with a great idea you can't easily get a lot of customers and the, and also another example is that i'm doing this podcast for free and, and taking my time here and also one-man shop so i definitely i'm a little bit struggling you know to to get more listeners and get more maybe some ads in the future so i think i'm on the same page as you do now that's right you know it's it's the the difference here is this uh i'm doing consulting and on mm. on a day that i do consulting i get paid an hourly rate and it's not a bad rate and that means that you know assuming that i can build up a decent consulting practice that means that i'll be getting money as long as i want to keep working well mm. as soon as i stop working my consulting clients stop paying me on yep. the other hand what i've built with the app is uh, a it does require some support, some ongoing support for clients. But in principle, what I've built is something that people can buy and install and start using and continue to pay me 
Uh, and so I'm making money from clients that I haven't talked to in, in six months other than to drop them a note and say, hey, how's everything going? And they say, great. You know, um, so that's an ongoing source of income. And if I can build that up and add another app or two that provides that same sort of ongoing recurring revenue, then I can retire and the money keeps coming. Yeah, you can definitely say that again. I couldn't agree more with you. So this is the difference between a product company and a consulting company. It's a totally okay. different two models, right? Mm. So what would be your advice to the listeners who are also developers? You know, some of people, including me, thought about creating the app exchange app. We have the skill, but we're lacking of ideas. We're lacking of perseverance. We're lacking of time. So what's your guidance to, to us? Well, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no magic solution here. One of my favorite quotes that drives me, uh, and I, I don't know who said it. I've, I've heard it a number of places, but the word entrepreneur. Entrepreneur is a French word that means had an idea, did it. Now, I'm not French. I, I know it doesn't really mean that, but I love the quote because there are a lot of people out there that picture themselves as entrepreneurs because they've got so many ideas but mm. don't follow through and do it. And if you don't actually follow through on your idea and do it, or at least try it, then you're not an entrepreneur. You're, you're a, a big ideas person, and there are thousands of those. There are tens of thousands of those. So if you've got a great idea, sit down, write it down, give yourself a timeline, give yourself um figure out how in the world am I going to find time to do this? So I developed Proton Text. It took me, the, the, the core code took me about six months of full-time work. And as, when I say full-time, I'm talking 60 or 70 hours a week. If you have a full-time job, how are you going to find that time? And so the, the question becomes, how do you prioritize your, your life? How do you make it a priority? Are you going to give up game? Are you going to give up watching TV? Are you going to give up, uh, you know, your fitness regimen or whatever? What can you, what can you not do that gives you the time to spend the time that it's going to be necessary to build this? Number two, uh, you may have this big vision of this comprehensive app that you're going to build. Start with the, the minimally viable product, the MVP. That's what you need to build first get that out to some customers, get some feedback on that, some beta customers just to test it. Uh, you're not going to make any money on it at this point. This is still part of development, but get that product out there and, and then expand from there. That's also good advice around going through the security review for AppExchange. The way AppExchange works is they, they really pour over every line of code that you submit for, uh, to, to get approval the first time. So what you do is you submit your app around this minimally viable product, you get approval on that, and then subsequently you build out, you continue to evolve different versions of that, and the approval process is automated, and it's, it's automatic. And so really don't overcomplicate your app for that initial um, security review. Mm. Okay? Good. The, the, the other thing, and, and you know, when venture capitalists are looking for companies to invest in, they are looking for a team. They're looking for somebody that has the technical skills to build this, and they're looking for somebody that's got the entrepreneurial skills 
to market it and sell it and and make it viable in the market. Uh, so if you are that tech skill set, but not the marketing and sales skill set, you need to find a partner. Mm-hmm. Are you going to find a partner of yours? Uh, no, actually, I mean, I worked in I worked in marketing for thirty years, so I've got the marketing part of it down. <laughs> I, I don't have the 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 drive really to be the sales, and I've thought about adding a salesperson, but honestly, uh, I, I'm growing fast enough. the The growth that I've had, each new customer I get to know as they they uh, install it, and almost all of my customers have an idea or two for a new feature, and that has really driven the the evolution of the product. Great, Pat. I think I've used enough of your time. It's a great conversation with you and a really good luck with your future journey of this App Exchange tool. Thanks for coming to the show. Thank you so much, Xi. I, I love your podcast. Uh, I've been recommending it to my friends and, and good luck to you. Thank you so much, Pat. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.